since you have a more vegetarian, episcopatarian style of cooking, um, when you're going out of your way to try to, like, dinner party, guest comes over, they're a renowned carnivore, you're trying to impress them, what do you hit them with? Well, I actually make a pretty good steak. (laughs) (laughs) That should shut that down right there. (laughs) I went to culinary school. That's fair. Welcome. Take a seat anywhere. Be right with you. Welcome to Dungeons and Dinners, where the love of fantasy is food for thought. I'm your host, Brett Lindley, and today I'm joined by the amazing Hannah from Critically Edible to talk chocolatiering and playing as many races and classes as possible in RPGs. If you'd like to support the podcast and fund new monsters, bonus episodes, downloadable recipes, and adventure modules, head on over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. Let's get to it. As I said in the intro, we are joined today by Hannah from Critically Edible. Hannah, thank you so much for joining. How are you today? Good. How are you? Doing great. (laughs) So I stumbled across your business on Twitter and was immediately like, yes, that is exactly my kind of people. (laughs) So for the the less initiated, please tell us, what do you do? Uh, Well, I'm a chocolatier and I also make candy dice as well. Gummy dice and chocolate dice. That's, I had I had once thought about making like a some kind of a candy dice because yeah. it'd be fun to you know eat the d twenty when it's that's kind of a classic one and that and their shiny rock candies right yeah but I I didn't actually think like I tried to process the logistics on that and it just seemed a little bit much so do you have are, I assume that you're probably using like a platinum silicon mold or are you using like a hard mold. No, I'm yeah, I'm using a silicone mode and okay. um but I have maybe like six or seven so that I can have multiple sets at a time. At first nice. I just had one mold and yeah, I I didn't think people were really gonna wanna buy it because one day on Twitter I was like, Look guys, I made candy dice and then everybody's like, I'll buy some, I'll buy some. I'm like <laughs> I need to figure this out first. Hold on. <laughs> did, so did you have the business before that or did the business spring up? afterwards uh i've been making chocolate for my own business since 2016 okay nice so at least you didn't have to get that part of it right no yeah yeah definitely (laughs) having to suddenly i you know file for a business and then figure out all the logistics and how that works yeah it's a lot of work (laughs) (laughs) so um chocolatier for a number of years now that's awesome did you was the dice thing just kind of like a joke or did you did you think that you might take it further or was it more just because you had the pieces on hand? Uh, so last summer during quarantine, I was just kind of bored and uh, I work at a theme park in the kitchen. So okay. I was out of work. So I was just focusing on my business. And then I, in the summer, you know, a lot of people don't buy chocolate because it's hot. Right. So I was like, I'm just going to, you know, have fun. And I bought dice molds to make regular dice and then i didn't get the resin and stuff and i'm like you know what maybe i'm gonna make candy dice try it (laughs) so then i i actually ended up buying a second mold that would be better for the candy and then i did eventually get resin and made my own dice in the resin but then i started making the candy dice i'm like yeah this is fun like i can try different flavors and stuff and then uh my friends were super excited about it because I brought it out one day when we were playing d and I'm like, oh, but you guys can eat these dice. And <laughs> so, yeah, I just kind of from there it became more serious. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, so how long till truffle D20s? <laughs> I, I've been trying. I would have to get a certain mold, but I've been thinking about that, like having the filling because I feel like that would take it to a whole different level. Right. But yeah, yeah. Well, now you can make little tiny chocolates to put in resin dice and <laughs> and and then chocolate in dice noodles. And then you get the whole spectrum. So you could have resin dice with tiny chocolates in them. That's and... true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's so, so much no, to ahead. do with it. No, sorry. No, no. <laughs> I was just saying that there's so much to do with the the chocolate and D&D. I'm like, I can get a 3D printer and make... Um, like little mini figures out of chocolate. 
Yes, that would be uh, that would be phenomenal. I had a I had dreams a, a long while ago of doing like FDM printing with chocolate, mm-hmm. and it's actually really funny because I had there's probably somewhere saved a discussion that I had with a friend, I don't know, like six eight years ago, that we had thought of doing because she was a patisserie chef and did a lot mm-hmm. of chocolatiering and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, well, I can 3D print things, and I, I understand silicon molds, so I could do that part and make. But I was thinking much larger things that would yeah. be like class items boxes, right? Like yeah. a mountain, a gear, and a hammer, and there's like your dwarf box or whatever. But but getting dice are kind of small, so pulling detail on that is, that's some skill. It's a lot of work. Um, <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Um, with Even with that many molds... How much time do you have to spend, like, prepping and cleaning a mold? Like, how long does one set of dice take, kind of start to finish, or what is that process like? Uh, so the the gummy dice, it's easier to, uh, if I'm using the same flavor, I can just take out one set and then put a new set in, because I okay. don't need to clean the molds. But for the chocolate, right. chocolate's very temperamental. So every time I have to uh, clean and, like, sanitize the molds and... You know, with chocolate molds, you can't just, like, scrub them in water and be like, oh, look, they're clean, you know, because then if there's scratches and everything, the chocolate gets ruined. So, uh, yeah, I guess one dice set typically takes, like, half a day just to make sure the molds are clean and dry and then to pipe all the chocolate into the molds and then let them set. And then once they're set, then I have to unmold them and then clean and and sanitize the molds and then let them dry completely wow uh i mean that sounds like if you're using a quick cure resin it can still be like a day or two depending to demold but yeah you're you're not running far behind that no so (laughs) it's not like you're just cranking out like five minutes pop it out (laughs) do another one yeah i think that's important for people to hear because there is a lot of work like you said there are the chocolate is something that I did a lot of my early time in uh, in becoming a chef was spent in desserts. Yeah. And there was some chocolatiering that goes into that. And it is just, I don't like, like I, it, it's a it probably a, a common thing among a lot of people that have gotten into it, but like white chocolate is evil and, and I don't want to work with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so white chocolate is that's why i haven't made any dice with white chocolate yet because i'm like i i don't want to i have a chocolate bar that the one of the only items that i have that has white chocolate is a chocolate bar and it aside from the chocolate dice it's one of the most popular items i'm like people just don't like me (laughs) like and they're like it's so good though and i'm like yeah but you realize that white chocolate doesn't like anybody you know like it's a lot of time that i spend with white chocolate of it doesn't us like not liking either. each other. No, yeah. exactly. Like, <laughs> it is. Definitely. It is a depressed zillennial, and it yeah. just wants to die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it definitely does not want to survive. That's no. for sure. <laughs> it won't set. It'll break. It'll separate. Like you don't have really. There's a lot of like blooming and stuff that can happen in normal chocolate, but you don't have like separation. No. <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. And you can't break a dark chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, unless you are really, really trying to, but you're probably gonna burn it before you. No. Break yeah. It, exactly. <laughs> the fat's there's not that like as much fat as in the white chocolate, but right. So on on the other side, the flip side of that. Um, so obviously you get the idea for the chocolate dice as a TTRPG fan. Yeah. So where is your history in TTRPGs? Uh, so I've only played d and I, I wanted to play Call of Cthulhu once. Oh, well, we played uh, Tales from the Loop one time too but really just, i have not i have all the materials for it but i never got to play how is it we did one session so we did like we built our characters one session and then we did the first session mm-hmm. and it was actually a lot of fun but just because we we did it in in the beginning of covid online wow. yeah. and then it just kind of like you know died out from there so everybody's schedules getting together and stuff and like trying to do stuff like that online is just not the business. The the big bad guy of every campaign is, <laughs> is scheduling. <laughs> oh, most definitely. And I feel like I'm a pretty per, pretty busy person, but 
is crazy sometimes how many people have issues. I'm like, if it's a set date, how can you not make it each week? It's mm-hmm. already set. We already decided yep. Monday. <laughs> what do you mean you're not available on Monday? Like, you know that on Monday we're playing D&D or we're doing this. Like, I come from a really small family unit and uh, my wife has comes from an extended, very extended family unit. And so the speed at which things can happen and crop up and events can get planned, shifted, moved, changed, reorganized. And like, she'll be like, oh, well, I, I thought you knew. And I was like, no one told me. And she's yeah. like, well, yeah, I moved from this day to this day. I'm like, when? It was scheduled like three days ago and it's moved four times. Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand this at all. I, oh, I have, I'm the same way. It's like, if I scheduled this day, that's like the only thing I'm going to do that day. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. I don't like being late. I don't like missing things. So if I have something planned, I'm like, I'm there. I'm ready right. for this. <laughs> yeah. It is. Uh, it, it can be a terrible embarrassment. But there's, I, I get, there's just ways to get comfortable with that. And, it, and it, yeah. it's not that I don't understand. I comprehend it. I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, exactly. So mostly D&D. Are you in a yeah. D&D campaign now? Uh, so I'm technically in four different ones, but only one of them we've actually been having like meetings for the last or like playing for the last like two months. Um, so the first one that I ever joined, I joined with my dad and his friends. Nice. And uh, I joined that in like 2019. Yeah, I, growing up, I didn't have a lot of friends. Like I was interested in this stuff, but I didn't have friends that wanted to do like this mm-hmm. kind of stuff with me. Gee, I don't feel that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so then finally I joined my dad's campaign and then I was in that for maybe, yeah, like a year and then I started uh, my boyfriend we did a campaign with him and then one of my roommates wanted to DM a campaign and then about a month ago my other roommate was like now I'm gonna DM a campaign I'm like okay let's <laughs> let's do this round yeah. it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm like I so, love all my characters <laughs> hey the, I, I would love to have the opportunity to play more of my characters <laughs> COVID definitely caused a lot of problems and, yeah and I've been like finding a DM, like a good DM is, is difficult. Finding a good online DM, oh, it's, I bet. it's a different skill set entirely that not everybody is really comfortable with. Yeah. And so, and I'm picky because I'm a, largely a DM. So mm-hmm. I, it's hard to let go of like the things that I want in a campaign or the things that I would run. Yeah. And so it could be really difficult to not like to try to let some of that go and just join and play and, and enjoy what's going on at the table. So Yeah, that makes sense. So what is, uh, you've, you've obviously played a number of different games. It seems mostly as a player. Yes. Um, what are, do you have a character archetype that you lean towards? Do you like to play a little bit of everything? Um, I'm the kind of person that when I start a new campaign, I'm like, how can I pick a good character that's completely different than what nice. my last character was? <laughs> so I went from a uh, half-orc fighter, and then from that half-orc fighter, I did. I was a gnome, a gnome barbarian. I guess that's not too far off, but you know, short. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, archetypically, it's very different. I yeah, think. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of different challenges the gnome barbarian is going to come across. And then I was a tiefling bard, and then uh, in this campaign, I'm an I'm an elf. Oh, a druid, an elf druid. Sorry. Oh <laughs> no, <space>. no, hey. <laughs> It's when you've got a rap sheet of characters, that's yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It would probably take me a while to name off all my face as well. So, so have you? Do you have a general, um, or I guess to say, what's the highest level that you've gotten a character to, and maybe which one was it? Uh, it was actually my first, my first character, uh, the half orc fighter, and we're at level, I think, eight. So not not too far, but still further than almost all of the characters I've ever played. So <laughs> six ends up being the cap of a lot of campaigns. Yeah, um, I think at some point people just kind of die off and then still trying to schedule and then people get tired of that. Like right. in that campaign, the DM, uh, so his kids are also in it. And sometimes when we're all playing, everybody's a little bit rowdy instead of like right. actually trying to play. 
or people just aren't paying attention so the dm's kind of getting tired of it and right. there's times where i'm tired of it because i'm like everybody's just angry like why do i want to play a game where everybody's upset with it's each true. other it's very true <laughs> i mean the social dynamics at a table i think have killed more of the games than i've been a part of than like scheduling yeah like, scheduling kills a, killed a couple but interpersonal dynamics that try to play out in the table and then people try to make excuses like that's what my character would do yeah and it's a it's like no that's that's the thinnest veil ever for anybody that's played more than a game so. no yeah that's that's said a lot and i'm just uh you know like when people are just kind of being like mean and like poking at people and they're just like well my character would do that i'm like look i'm the half orc in the group like and i'm i'm chaotic evil so i'm just like if ever anybody's gonna be mean to someone it's gonna be my character and i'm not mm -hmm. being mean so we don't right. we don't need to sit here and poke at bears like it's just there's no point but your lawful good paladin can <laughs> go kick rocks yeah <laughs> stop making fun of people <laughs> no yeah my uncle when that stuff happens he just kind of shuts down and he's like my character is gonna go on a side quest away from everybody oh so then my dm's like i'm just gonna kill you off if you're gonna do that i'm like no yep. please. everybody <laughs> everybody time out <laughs> we need to step away this is a game of storytelling and imagination yeah. Yeah, exactly. if we can't be happy and fun in imagination land then we're we never gonna make it in the this. real world. yeah exactly <laughs> uh so I'm not hearing a lot of spellcasters in your repertoire. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I, uh, like a lot of times when I've played, a lot of people already come to the table with what they want to mm -hmm. be. So if there's a lot of spellcasters, I kind of just like take a seat back and just like, I'm going to let them like, you know, do their thing and just... They can spend five minutes a turn looking up their components. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like... <laughs> I'll just be a fighter. Or I'll just be a bard and be funny and be like, I'm playing this song to distract people, you know? So, yeah. I, I think mean... it is It is nice that the more recent additions have added so much to at least give more options because older editions very much were just like, fighter takes a swing. Yeah, and, yeah. And that's what you do. Yeah, so I get you. It is, it is nice to see more, you know, abilities and options that you can do during your turn to give other players something to look up to. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so there's, um, are there any other places where you find your kind of personal passions in doing chocolatiering? Anything from your chocolatiering life that kind of bleeds into your D&D characters? Do you have themes or do you keep things really separate? Um, I think... I think it's kind of separate. I think there was one time I was joking that my bard was like on her on this on the side she did chocolate, but for the most part, uh, I'm a very logical person, so I break things down into like different components, kind of. So it's like, okay, this is this part of my life, and then this is this part of my life. Hey, there's so. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Um, I probably have too much crossbleed when, you know, my characters are doing things. People are looking at me like, are, are you okay? Do you, need to, <laughs> do you need to maybe go see a therapist again this week? It's fine. It's fine. Got it under control. I don't mean to, I don't mean to give so much of a view into my personal life through my character. <laughs> yeah. I think my first character, cause I have a bad relationship with my mom. So my mm. first character, her backstory, like I made this long, like essay backstory and like her she doesn't like her dad, but she also has really, like, a lot of beef with her mom. And then her mom died. And I, so I'm just like, oh, okay, I think that was a part of me, you know, dealing with some stuff in real life through my character, looking back now. But aside from that, I feel like oh, my characters are really confident, like, very, like, stick-it-to-the-man kind of person. And I'm just kind of like, I blend in the background kind of person. <laughs> I mean, there could be a little stick it to the man and being an entrepreneur. You know? That's true. That's true. So that's very there's, true. A, there's a little bit of us in, in, our, in all of our characters. <laughs> Sometimes you got to dig for it. But yeah. <laughs> my character hates the corporatocracy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, outside of specifically chocolatiering, do you have any other culinary interests? Uh, so I went to culinary school and mm. I mean, I, I love cooking. Uh, 
I know how to make a lot of things from scratch at home. And then uh, for working in like pastries, I don't like working with bread, but anything else I'm okay with working with. But I've gotten to the point where I just enjoy working with chocolate so much that the other stuff is kind of more just on the side. Like, oh, yeah, it'll be fun to make a cake today. You know, but typically... I mean, I make dinner every night, but (laughs) (laughs) dessert-wise, it's just more like on the occasion of if I feel like it, if that makes sense. So more of a special occasion for desserts. Yeah. I was, there was a a kind of a common misconception among chefs where like customers would come and be like, oh, you're a chef, so you must eat great every night. It's like, no, I got a corn dog in my fridge. Like, I don't, (laughs) I don't want to do this. Uh, that and I also only know how to cook for thirty people. I don't know how to cook for one or two. Yeah, like. it's that's what people don't realize is that the scaling. My boyfriend's always telling me like, Hannah, you make too much food. We're not gonna all eat this, and we have so many leftovers. I'm like, well, I'm either I know how to make food just for myself, or I know how to make food for a restaurant. Like mm-hmm. you have to pick. You want food for just me, or do you want food for a restaurant? It's, it's one <laughs> egg or sixty. <laughs> Yeah, so that's exactly. the that's the two versions of this recipe I have. Exactly. It's like I don't know the in between. <laughs> yep. No, that's a that's a hundred percent. So but it is interesting though, because in a similar way, like I mean, I, I think I've come back some where I now enjoy making food at home because yeah. not that's not my day job anymore. Um when it was my day job, it definitely was out. But having your day job being kind of tangential like there's a lot of things that are the same but in my personal opinion and maybe you can counter with your your thoughts that chocolatiering while it is cooking it is it's less it's more of an art more of a like an art and a science whereas sauteing and cutting vegetables and stuff really is kind of feels more cooking in yes. my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh I I kind of explain it that way to people. I always tell them that, you know, chocolate for me is more like of a science thing. And when I'm doing chocolatier stuff, it's typically more like in a science like mentally it's in a, more in a science or yeah, art like situation. Whereas yeah, cooking is is definitely a different uh, pace. So it's easy to go from chocolate and then... And, you know, there's a lot of, like, waiting time with chocolate because you have to let things set. So you have time to go sit down and read on your breaks or you have time to, you know, do some recipe development in between. Or sometimes I'll be prepping dinner while I'm waiting for my molds to set. So, yeah, it's not like working in kitchen, cooking savory food. You don't have the time in between. Whereas baking, right. it's like... Cook, cook, cook. Now wait. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good way of describing it. Um, you've approached a lot of things, as you kind of said, from a logical angle, and you've also mentioned developing new recipes. And a lot of my recipe development, especially in uh, what my mother would call like dump, dump, dump recipes, a lot yeah. of like saute kind of things, are just expressions of what I have in the moment. Yeah. But you can't really do that with like baking is not a spur of the moment thing no. and neither no. is chocolate. So can yeah. you talk about some of the recipe planning process for something that's a little more delicate? Uh, so for chocolate, for um, like the ganaches, for the fillings, I have a certain formula that I follow and that is based off of uh, what type of chocolate I want to use in my fillings. So if I'm if I'm doing a dark chocolate, I have to add a little bit more fat, otherwise, you know, it's going to be a little bit more gritty. With white chocolate, I don't have to add as much heavy cream as I was I would with the dark chocolate, so I can kind of focus on adding more of the flavor in that. And then, again, with dark chocolate, because it's so dark and you have to add so much fat, you can't just be like, oh, well, now I'm going to add, like, all of this flavoring or this, like, puree, because then it off-balances the texture that you want for the filling. So it's... I, I have the formula of how, like, the percentage of chocolate to fat to added fillings, like, to added flavors. And then from there, I break it down. And then, say, if I'm making, like, passion fruit and the puree that I make is, like, really tangy, then I kind of change the amount of chocolate that I'm putting in just because, you know, if it's really tangy, you kind of want a little bit more dark chocolate. That way it's not like too overwhelming. But if it has a really mild flavor, then sometimes I'll add, 
you know, like some milk chocolate in with the dark chocolate, and then I change my fat accordingly, so that way the passion fruit flavor is still there and it doesn't just get like drowned out from the dark chocolate. That's awesome. Are you like full on Excel charting your things out and and like keeping what works and what doesn't or? Yeah. So I, I always have like a notebook when I'm writing it down. And then at the end of the day, if I do recipe and development that day, then I go and like make, put everything in. That's awesome. So, and so you're, Got the 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 amount of formulaic like research. I, I'm fascinated by this. Is so it sounds also like you have specific days that you set aside to do this kind of work, or is it just again kind of spur of the moment? No. So typically, unless like I just really randomly have a really like oh my god this would be a good flavor. Most of the time, it's uh, I'll have certain days for productions. So then that's when I'm making the bonbons. Certain days where I make the fillings certain days where I'm just like cleaning and sanitizing all of the molds because you know the like the hard molds it's it's hard to have them just dry and I don't like to use paper towels because I don't want to scratch them so I let them air dry so yeah. that takes like a day typically and then yeah so I have everything like typically set out by days and then recipe development will be like I'll do one or two days a month depending on if it's a new season if it's a new season then it's like the first week of that month where I just do a bunch of different recipe and development because, you know, trying to get new flavors out. So are you also, it seems you've been doing this for a while, that you're looking at not just the season in particular, like these are my spring recipes that are all done. It sounds kind of like you're also looking at what maybe the trends are in society or what you can react to that's available. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I've started using like a lot more nuts recently because with quarantine, you know, everybody being like, oh, like eating healthy, eating more nuts stuff, eating this. So when people, I have a pistachio butter uh, bonbon. And when people see that, they're like, oh my God, you make pistachio chocolate? And they get so excited. And I'm like, yeah, but before I never used nuts because I was afraid of nut allergies, but I only mm -hmm. use mm -hmm. specific molds with that one, with the ones that have nuts. And uh, when I make my dragees, I don't do anything else that day because, you know, I don't want any contamination. But That's yeah, awesome. definitely and a lot of trends. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think that it's it's one of those things where I always thought that the product was like 90% of the work that went into anything. And really, it seems more like the product is it's the flip side. That's like 10%. And the rest of it is marketing and developing and yeah. trying to find ways to get your idea out there. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> being able to react to ongoing trends and identifying things like nuts related to like the only thing I could think of is like COVID equaled like bread for a few months. And yeah. that was, you know, <laughs> it's about as far as I could think on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, hot cocoa bombs. I did the whole hot cocoa bomb trend and I put my own like twist on it. But I was just like crying one day to my boyfriend. I'm like, everybody likes these, but I don't like them and I don't want to make them anymore. <laughs> I, I had thought about it for a little bit. I was like, I could do this would be an easy Christmas present. And then the, the kind of rational, like, analytical side kicked in. It was like, do you know how hard it's going to be to get, like, half a cup of powdered cocoa and sugar into a half sphere of chocolate and yes. seal it and then wrap a bow around it without ruining, like, 30 shells to get, yep. like, one? Yep. So I, I quickly decided that I didn't need a silicon mold for that. <laughs> yeah. No, it was not worth it. I mean, people that picked it up liked it, but there's some people that it shipped to and it did not make Aww. it well. Yeah, which was the main reason why I was crying because I was just like, they. I sent some to Found Familiar and they all broke and Aww. I was just like, no. I was so sad. <laughs> how we can't have a shipping system that like keeps anything intact. Yeah. <laughs> I had gotten an item recently that uh, I was told like, hey, this item is going to ship in branded packaging that like mm -hmm. says what it is and it's not like a super expensive item but expensive enough. They're like, do you want us to box it in a bland box? I'm like, of course. Thinking that bland box is going to be like one size bigger than the package, right? Yeah. It, it comes in a package that's like twice as big oh, as the no. item that's inside of it. There's a single like 
probably 22-inch sheet of newspaper that's not crumpled or anything. It's like it was pulled off a spool, torn, and laid over the top of it on this other box that's half as big. And the other box has fragile labels all over it. And it had just been rattling around in this, like, had six inches of room on every side. And I'm like, I don't. Every time I get anything shipped, there's so much packing stuff that I'm embarrassed at, like, how much plastic is going to go in the ocean. Yeah. And the one time that I'm like, fragile item, please put stuff in there. They're like, nah. (laughs) One piece of paper. I'll just toss that on top. That'll protect it. Like, Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Like, I get it. You're probably being paid really low, but please, sometimes, like, just quit your job then. Don't. Don't do it or do something to get fired that you could get unemployment with. Just yeah. be a perfect performer for a while. It'll be okay. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so disappointing. Yeah, with packing and shipping and shipping and food, uh, especially something as delicate as chocolate, like what can you do to help ensure that your products get to your customer safely? Like, uh, So I wrap every, like all the items, I wrap them in bubble wrap. And then I put ice packs inside and I wrap the ice packs separately, you know, just so that if it breaks, it doesn't spill all over everything. But I, aside from the hot cocoa bombs, I've never really had like any issues with things being like completely broken or anything. So luckily, and I use pretty small boxes. Sometimes I'm like, this box is so small and I'm fitting all of this in it. But you know, it's better to have it compact than to have things just flying around. Right. And with chocolate, especially at least right now, there's a, a lean towards, like, the delicacy. So small boxes probably lean in that direction as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So uh, as as a player, kind of shifting gears back to D&D for a minute, um, being a player more often than not, this may not apply as much, but... Is there a rule at your game tables that either uh, you prefer to be in place or you have that other dungeon masters tend to, you you know, say you want it to be that way more often? Um, do you, would you like, do you prefer to ignore or discard some rule while you're playing? Um, I don't think, I think like the only time where like first, like a specific table rule, like, uh, my first DM, he was just like, the only rule is uh, anything I says, anything I say goes. And I'm like, okay. And then one time I, I killed somebody and then he was like, oh no, that guy's not dead. And I'm like, but you just said that I killed him. And he's like, no, I, he, he, he's not dead. And I'm like, okay. And I was just like, and he's like, no, don't argue. He's alive. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, and Ooh. he's like, whatever I say goes. No. I'm like, okay. Trash <laughs> that rule. Yeah. Rule in the garbage. I was like, this is not a good rule. <laughs> and then one time he punished me because I was like just walking around a cave because we were all stuck in there. Nobody's doing anything. And there's a door with 13 locks. So I'm walking around the cave. I'm like, I'm just going to see if I find like a key. And then he was like, a, mon- a mud monster uh, spawns on you. And he's giant. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, no. Throw that whole DM and they'll just throw that whole DM out. <laughs> I was just like, this this sucks. <laughs> no, not okay. Not okay. Get out of here. Get out of here with that weak DMing. <laughs> Somebody won't solve your puzzle and isn't, isn't interested. You can't just throw a mud monster at them. No, yeah. It was, it was and, and then the mud monsters, we couldn't even kill them. Like we just were supposed to just like run in circles from them. So I got down like four times because all of my teammates were just standing in the corner like away from where I was. So I'm just fighting the mud monster by myself. And I'm like, guys, help. And they're like, we have range. And I'm like, I don't. I'm a fighter. But arrows don't do diddly squat to a mud monster. Stop it. (laughs) So it's fair. So so throw the whole DM out with the back corner. We're fine with that one. Do Do you find that the games that you play in, are they more rules as written, like more raw, or there are more homebrew elements in there? Um, uh, one of my roommates, he's like very strict by the book, like, oh, I'm going to look up this rule or look up this guideline in the book. And then uh, my boyfriend, he is more of like a homebrew person. So it's like kind of goes with the flow with making rules, you know, so it's like it's a half half sometimes. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
I won't ask for your preference on that one in case they listen. So. <laughs> you got a couple close ones there, so I won't put that kind of pressure on you. I prefer oh. both. Oh, there we go. <laughs> it depends on my mood. I'll. That's a little more believable. I'll yeah. give into that because I. I really think that there was a discussion the other day that I kind of lightly participated in on fudging rolls, and I feel like. People that are very, very rules as written, very much so, like, I will show all of my dice rolls as a DM. I won't fudge anything. That's totally fine. I feel like yeah. that is playing a game. Yeah. Like, you you want to play a game. Yeah. That, like, a board game. And then, the like, me personally, I will roll dice in the background and pretend to look at them and not care what they say. I won't look at the H. Like, I will write down saving throws and ac because i don't want those to accidentally change (laughs) and the players find out like wait a 15 hit last turn like but i i don't have a problem fudging everything because i want to tell a story yeah and like and i want the players to feel engrossed in that story and they don't necessarily feel engrossed if they've been whacking on the monster for 10 minutes and it's not it doesn't look hurt that's not fun And so, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I hate, like, I don't hate combat, but I'm not the biggest fan of combat, especially when it's in one session you had, like, three different combats because I'm just like, you know, like, especially when I was a fighter because it's like, yeah, you know, I'm hitting him. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But it's like at this point, I'm just hitting something and not even, like, actually hitting him. Just like, oh, yeah, there. I swung and I missed. That's yeah. my turn. The wizard will now take the next 18 minutes. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. And my, my DM's always just like, okay, Hannah, it's your turn. I'm like, I do this. And he's like, you miss. I'm like, okay. And he's like, anything else? I'm like, no. That's all I could do. Thank you. <laughs> I don't really want to move. I don't need an no, attack yeah. of opportunity on yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to hang out here until it comes back to me. I'll, I'll shift over one square. I don't know. What do you want? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is fun. Like, there was one night where I rolled, like, three or four crits. And as a fighter, I, I get a crit on um, 19, mm-hmm. too. So I was just doing so much damage. I did over, like, 100 damage to one guy and so i was just like that was fun you know because i was just like i'm actually doing something yeah now you can stop i'm watching exactly. him die like this is my moment as a fighter this is what everybody came to see that's, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> that's why i think it's and i think 5e again is a little bit better in this did you play any earlier versions no no okay so 5e is a little bit better in this and having monsters acs generally be yeah. lower because hitting is fun. Like, missing sucks. Yeah. Especially, like, uh, yeah, before you have two attacks, when that's the only thing you can do. Yeah, as a fighter, as a barbarian, as a ranger, uh, there's a lot of classes where you swing, you miss, and that can be it for, depending on the number of the players at the table, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, you know, definitely. Even for small, medium tables. So I think hitting is fun and not hitting isn't. Even if the DM tries to embellish or you try to roleplay it, there's only so many times that you can deflect an item off a shield and it be exciting. Yeah, I definitely agree. So what is, you You went to school for the culinary arts. Yes. Um, what drove that passion? Was that something that you kind of always wanted to do or? So actually... Uh, in in high school, I was between engineering, architecture, and culinary arts. That's a spread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really liked math. And then I was in architecture in high school. So I was like, this is actually fun. And then I realized at some point, I'm like, as much as like I like architecture, I'm like, I don't think this is the field for me. My architecture teacher did not really like me either. But um, That's a shame. That never yeah, helps to have no, it. it like, I loved math up until about junior high and had a teacher that just ruined it for me. I was good at it. I loved it. Terrible teacher. And then I was like, nah, I'll just take remedial stuff. I don't need calc. Like, Yeah, definitely. And then um, for engineering, uh, I guess it was more of just a thing where I realized that I spent a lot of my time, like my free time, learning about 
baking and culinary arts and like trying to figure out how to make my own recipes and stuff so I was just like why, why would I waste my time and like all this time that I spent on this by going to school for anything but baking and then so yeah I did <laughs> Who needs to make weapons for DARPA when you can make chocolate? Exactly. <laughs> and it's the same amount of engineering skill. Exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. So you've got a lot of... But I think that that's, that's a good blend, though, because I think that baking really is, like you said, very scientific. There's yeah. so much chemistry going on. You can approach it from an engineering angle, from a precision angle, like kind of in chocolatiering. I yeah. think, you know, a lot of breads are more of a chemistry angle yeah. in in how much of different chemicals you're using. Like, you know, baking soda is a chemical, too. Yeah. And, and what you're putting in there. I think that that's an awesome blend of things to to kind of go through. So, yeah, it definitely uh, when when I was in school, we were uh, making croissants and you know how you do the fold for mm-hmm. the. So uh, my chef, she was like, okay, like who can calculate like if we do this many folds, like how many layers there would be? And I would do it and then she would like be like, okay, well, how about this many folds? And then so we were just like going back and forth and I wasn't using calculators. She's like, what? This is crazy. I'm like, this is the stuff that I live for. <laughs> I live for puff pastry layers. Because <laughs> it was just fun and so my my brain worked works in a way where that science is fun. So it makes it easier to have a job where I'm working with stuff that involves science. There is a limit on puff pastry layers that I watch. I don't. God, the name of the guy escapes me now. There's a, a really interesting. I believe he's a French chef that that did a video on different exponential puff pastry layers, uh-huh. wanting to try to make a million layer puff pastry, and he's like, "There's just." There's no molecular adhesion for your layer at that point. It actually yeah. got worse. Like, it gets good to a certain point and then starts getting and worse. And then it just, yeah. Because you're just breaking down the butter. It's just getting incorporated. It's yeah, diffusing. it definitely makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that was a really fun one. Like, it's a million layer puff pastry. Oh your The brain goes to, like, the fluffiest, like, micron layers. And it really just comes out like a brick. Like Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> We want the fantasy D&D puff pastry of our brain, yeah. which comes out like 12 inches high like a souffle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, in my brain, it looks beautiful. In real that's, life, maybe not as beautiful. <laughs> that's every art project I've ever tackled. <laughs> that's totally fair. Oh, my gosh. So I've seen you do... Um, some additional design work on a, a lot of your products after they're done. Do you not like, do you do any hand painted work or no, is it I, all, do you rely on kind of the mold and the colors, of the chocolate? Cause I've seen a few of your items that have some really interesting designs incorporated in them. So, um, on the chocolates, I do have, uh, like this, uh, glitter, edible glitter. Uh, mm-hmm. What's it called? I can't think of the word for it, but so I paint all of my molds with that. And then on, uh, my rose and um, pistachio bar. I take the bar, put make it in the mold, then take them out of the mold, clean the mold, and then I actually uh, paint that one with the glitter, and then I put um, like two dots of dark chocolate, and then I take the bar and push it down into it so it doesn't like ah. fully cover it, but it kind okay. of gives it a design. And then... Everything else, like with the dice, it's more of just like putting fresh ingredients inside of it and it kind of like showing through the cracks. Okay, nice. That's really cool. Like I was kind of wondering how it, it there seemed to be really, really interesting design work in there. I was like, that's, that's either a very steady hand or... <laughs> <laughs> I've painted a few miniatures in my day. It takes a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody always asks, they're like, how... People used to think that I sculpted the chocolate, and I'm like, that would be a lot of work. <laughs> like, thank you for thinking that high of me, but no, I use molds. And then I went up, I went to a pop up recently, and this woman came up to me, and I had like uh, some bonbons on display, and she's just like, why are they gold? What happened? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm Did like, the sun get to them? It doesn't look like chocolate anymore. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I painted them with edible glitter. And she's like, oh, wow. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but she was just like, why? Like, 
Because they're solid gold bonbons. They're $12,000 a pop. <laughs> you want one? <laughs> so it, it seems like it, it, there's still like, where does your, sorry, I'm trying to form a thought here. I apologize. Um, do you have, like, you remember where you got your love of cooking from? Like, was there a certain experience in your life or did you learn to cook really early? So when I was a little kid, uh, me and my sister lived with my mom and my mom didn't really do much in like cooking food for us. So I kind of just had to like start making food for me and my little sister. Sometimes my, like there was this one time, I don't know what I was thinking, but I made a cookie pizza and then I made like this uh, orange jam thing to dip the cookie pizza in it. And the cookie pizza was rock solid. <laughs> I was eight years old, but I was just like, I don't understand how this thing came out. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, what what kid that has the experience of making homemade chocolate chip cookies doesn't go to cookie pizza? <laughs> That's like, very true. The biggest cook. What is? How is? Can we put the entire bowl of dough? Just in the oven? Will it yeah, make like, a cookie like <laughs> exactly. mega huge? <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, for dinner, like I looked at my sister, I'm like, for dinner, we're having a cookie pizza. <laughs> like, we <Hey>. got this. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fact that you are like in a place where you could go cookie pizza for dinner. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's 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 to be that's to be okay with. So That's true, that's true. Orange jam, not I mean like orange and chocolate, y- yes. But uh, maybe orange and cookie, nah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, luckily we didn't get to taste what it was going to taste like all together. But that's but. part of R&D, right? Sometimes yes. you have to try something that you may not be excited about because maybe it does work. A, yeah. lot, of, a lot of cooking is mistakes. Yes, that's definitely true. Have you had any mistakes in cooking that turned into something that you ended up enjoying? Um... Not that I can really, no, not that I can really think of. I like think an about flavor recipe. Uh, I mean, I think. Oh, sorry. Uh, I think the most um, like random thing, but something that I was, it was planned, but like, I was not sure how it was gonna be. Was my lavender caramel, and I just found la- lavender flower, and I was like. I have the flower buds and I was like, I'm making a lavender caramel and it's going to be the best caramel in the world. And then I was just like, maybe it's not going to turn out good. And everybody's like, it's not going to turn out good. I'm like, no, it's going to turn out fun. And they're like, nobody's going to buy that from you. I'm like, maybe you're right. And I made it and oh. it, it turned out amazing and everybody loves it now. So so are you, are you talking like at a lavender infused caramel? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Cause that's, that's interesting. Cause it's like, Lavender is an interesting flavor because it can work really well in some things, and it it can also just be not right. And so, like, lavender chocolates are a thing that, like, I've had a lavender chocolate. It was pretty good. But a lavender caramel sounds awesome. Yeah, it's actually really good. There was one day I was making it a couple weeks ago, and I was like, I'm just going to put a little bit of this in my coffee. (laughs) Ooh, what? Yes. It is so good. Yeah. Yeah, but. if you're listening, go get some lavender caramels. <laughs> get them for your coffee. There's a there's a there's a place uh, close to where I live that has a, a giant lavender farm. Oh, and so they do like lavender everything. So they yeah. do a mulled wine out of lavender, and they they also have beehives. And so there is lavender local lavender honey. Yeah, that the bees get all of the the nectar from the lavender flowers, and it has a pretty strong lavender flavor in the honey. And it's 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 good, but it's also hard because you can't use it with everything. Yeah. But it's also provides such a unique flavor to things that yeah, I could see caramel doing really well. Do you make all your your own caramel too? Yeah. Gosh, that's things that I could never get the hang of. Caramel is also another one of those temperamental beasts that oh, just, I don't like to play with. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's sometimes where. Uh, I just burn it or, you know, the butter doesn't want to mix in and then it all crystallizes and I'm just like, dang it, I got to throw all this away now. Mm-hmm. 
a single grain of like stardust speck of sugar was floating in the air and landed in the pot and now it's all yeah. solid. And then it's like, yeah, now I'm just going to coagulate and not work properly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll break you into pieces and <laughs> sell you as glass shards. There we yeah. go. <laughs> Make a fake window out of you. So outside of, uh, you know, deserting and chocolatiering, you mentioned that you're the one that kind of makes dinner every night. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite type of dish that you lean towards? Uh, are you kind of a surveyor of everything? Um, anything with potatoes. Uh, that's a joke because I'm <laughs> Irish. So I'm always just like, yeah, ah, I got to go. have potatoes. Right. <laughs> got to um, have potato with it. No, I, I like making a lot of different things. Yeah, I... Uh, I don't really like eating the same thing over and over unless Mm -hmm. like sometimes I just get in a mood where I'm like, this is the only thing I want to eat for the next month. Yeah. But, um, I like making a lot of different things before I used to make fresh pasta, but now I just don't have time to be making fresh pasta at home. Um, but I, I make a lot of fish dishes cause I don't eat meat. So a lot of fish and pasta and pasta and then vegetables. One day I made, um, chicken chardonnay but with eggplant instead of chicken Ooh! and it was actually really good that um, can work out really well yeah the texture was surprising i mean i don't i don't know how the chicken texture like actually is but the texture wasn't bad i was like wow this is actually pretty good but do you find yourself doing a lot of substitutions in food um to try I, to replicate like other types of dishes uh there's like just certain dishes where you know i'm like i i want to try this sauce but with something that i can eat so the chicken chardonnay was one of those instances but typically i i'm not a big like um like tofu or like soy person i'd rather just eat vegetables or fish or you know something else because i don't really like eating a lot of that stuff like it one day I had these vegetarian uh, sausages and I was like, it tastes too much like meat and I can't eat it because it's weird and it hurts my brain. Those are for people who are trying to be vegetarian, but don't want, that's me. That's me. Those are for me. I I do the, the Beyond Burgers and some of the, the, the sausages are a little weird, but uh, when you're getting into like things that substitute things that were already substituting other things, like yeah. vegetarian turkey sausage. Like turkey sausage is not something that n- I won't say anyone, but most people are not racing for turkey sausage specifically for that. Yeah. They want not pork sausage, but also not mushroom sausage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but if you then try to vegetarianize that, like n- nobody needs that. No. Just let it go. <laughs> yeah. Have a clean mushroom. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can be good on their own. <laughs> I made a mushroom um, pulled pork sandwiches once, and it was actually not bad. But I think just like the because I put like the the liquid smoke in it to make mm-hmm. it taste a little bit meatier. And on my sec because they were mini ones. On my second one, I'm like, okay, this tastes too much like me again you know like (laughs) it was good at first but now i'm just like this is kind of weird but now you can market that to others that's true like for the for the people that are like "Ah, i don't want to ever give up meat you can be like well try my pulled pork yeah i pulled my pulled not pork (laughs) (laughs) so when especially as you know since you have a more vegetarian a pescatarian style cooking um when you're going out of your way to try to like dinner party guest comes over they're a renowned carnivore you're trying to impress them what do you hit them with well i actually make a pretty good steak (laughs) (laughs) that should shut that down right there (laughs) i went to culinary school so yeah that's fair (laughs) a lot of times because people make that joke they're like well i don't want to come to your house and eat this i'm like i can make you a steak if you want i make pretty good steak but uh aside from that i guess uh like chili relleno is probably like one of the one dishes that um it's easy to make for people coming over and I make a pretty good sauce for it. So I'm like, yeah, this is like something that I actually made completely by myself, you know, cause I don't like the whole, like, look, I made you a home cooked meal and it's, um, you know, like 
box mac and cheese and then some hot dogs on the side. Oof. <laughs> you you harshen my box mac and cheese and hot dog game like that. <laughs> For a dinner party, I yes. <laughs> I won't do hot dogs either. <laughs> Browwursts maybe, but like <laughs> hot dogs left a long time. But I can't. I can't. <laughs> I make some pretty good homemade mac and cheese, and I make really good roasted Brussels sprouts. Ooh, nice. I so Brussels sprouts are one of those things that like I'm really trying to broaden my horizon of taste because like yeah it's mostly a texture thing for me as as a chef you have to taste everything so yeah i i know how things are supposed to taste that doesn't mean i like any of them <laughs> <laughs> but brussels sprouts is one that i'm actually kind of i had them done i i would say right um recently like a roasted brussels sprout and i think i had only previously had like way over boiled and so having them yeah. roasted and kind of cooked properly, I was like, oh, this this isn't a horrible mushlob. Like, yeah. <laughs> this actually tastes that. okay. <laughs> I remember there was one time I was telling someone, I'm like, yeah, I love Brussels sprouts. Like, in college, I would get the, the, uh, the Brussels sprouts on the thing, and I would just, like, pick them off and be eating them. <laughs> and then I would cook them for dinner and, eat, like, just eat them all different kinds of way. And, and then... So they that person made Brussels sprouts for me, and I was like, okay, I do not like these Brussels sprouts because <laughs> they were like boiled or something, and I'm just yeah. like, this is really soggy. Like this, this is not and good. And there's no flavor. Did you even salt the water? Yeah, like, the, is it, there it, anything like, here? Yeah, no, it just like tasted. You know the smell of old broccoli. That's mm-hmm. how the Brussels sprouts tasted. Oh, and I was just like, this is not. And then it was mushy on top of it. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I think I, I think I tasted a lot of foods wrong the first time I had them. Yeah. And my brain, I'm very much so like, I can eat the same thing from like I am not I'm not adventurous in flair flavor. Mm-hmm. I'll find one thing at a restaurant and that'll be what I order from that restaurant. So I because I think I just had so many bad experiences with food that I just don't, I don't want the risk anymore. I want to know that, I mean, if I'm going to spend money on it, I'm going to like it. So when I'm cooking, I can play around more because I'm a little more in control of that scenario. So I've I've learned things like broccoli also isn't supposed to be like mashed potato texture. (laughs) So. Yeah, I get that one. Uh, Broccoli is probably, not that I don't like broccoli, but broccoli is probably one of the vegetables that I actually don't like pick myself to eat just because I don't care for the flavor of it and I mean I can eat it raw with the ranch or whatever but I even then it's like I I just don't care for it that much I'd rather eat brussels sprouts or something else or eggplant or squash something not broccoli (laughs) (laughs) I actually take a lot of offense to like people that cheese sauce broccoli oh yeah like why why are you ruining good cheese with lawn clippings yeah like i don't for me everything green just tastes like long it just tastes like grass they all taste like chlorophyll i there's there's not as much variety as i would hope for between the differences of all the green foods <laughs> that's fair i think <laughs> except it, like peppers maybe they're, yeah. they're more closer to like a fruit so yeah i think it's more just like how you cook them can bring out like the different flavors in them but i guess even then i don't know i like vegetables <laughs> So no, that's fair. That's fair. Like I said, I'm coming around to them. I'm coming around to them. I'm I'm being willing to try pro- more properly cooked ones. Yeah. So <laughs> there are some that I will probably still avoid forever. That I think that it's okay to truly hate a flavor. But for things that I either haven't, if it's been like ten years since I've had it, I'll give it. I'll give it a, a nibble. Yeah, that's see. fair. We'll, we'll start. <laughs> So, Hannah, before uh, we break away for anything else, first I want to say thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Of course. Thank you Um, for having me. And before we we hop off of here, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you'd kind of hope that we'd gotten into or discussed or anything Um, else that you'd like to mention? No. No? Sorry. (laughs) No expectations. No hope for this being good. <laughs> no, it's going to be good. I just, we talked about a lot of things. No, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I apologize for my self-depreciation. I'm working on that one, too. You already hit, like, a lot of the marks that I had in my head, like, oh, I should bring up this or talk about this. So I was like, oh, okay. 
Well, good, good. Well, Hannah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you much, so much for coming on the podcast. It's Hannah, uh, Critically Edible. Uh, there will be links in the description to her website and Twitter. Um, so, yeah, go check it out. Order yourselves some amazing chocolate and support an awesome TTRPG creator. Thank you so much. Thank you. So that's all for the episode today. Please let me know your thoughts, comments, or episode ideas. All of my links and contact information can be found on the card website in the show notes. I'm most active on Twitter. If you're interested in supporting the show and getting more bonus content, consider tossing a few coins over to patreon.com slash Dungeons and Dinners. And if you're looking for more great podcasts to listen to, check out the other podcasts that I co-host, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is a long-form podcast about why gaming matters, co-hosted by myself and my dear friend, Walker Near. I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with you, and remember that love is the secret ingredient. Have a good day, friend. Thanks for stopping by.